If you're in the will of God, you're protected, my friend. And who can scare us with glory? What if it really did get bad? Are you ready? Why did I get up this morning and come? Why did I prepare for the message? Because I know that there is a place called heaven. But I also know there's a place called hell. And the reality is that if you do not put your faith and trust in the God of heaven, you'll find yourself in the place of fire. I think God has given you every opportunity. Every American that can hear me today you realize that you have been so blessed your whole life because you grew up knowing that there is the Word of God. I was in the office looking at a Bible that was 1956 and how much in there was helpful to the Sunday school teachers and to uh, public school teachers when it came to teaching the Word of God and how it was approved by Congress. Boy, we've come a long way since 1956. And uh, I think there's a little further yet to go. But in spite of it all, I wanted to bring to you a message dealing with when to kneel and when not to kneel. Um, To get your attention a little bit upon that this morning, I, I do feel like it's necessary for me to give you a small history of the book of Daniel I think it's important to remember that Daniel is an Israelite. He is a Jewish man. But I think it's interesting as we think about it because this particular book is mixed with prophecy and history. I think it's interesting because there is so much prophecy here that we could dwell on it for months, and there is so much practical Christian living we could dwell on it for months. But we can't. We just have a few minutes. I think about how he lived under Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and how he lived under Cyrus, the Persian. And he was a contemporary with Ezekiel. And it was interesting that the Bible calls Daniel a godly man, like Noah and Job. I think about Daniel and how he lived pretty full life. He was born in 1618, uh, I should say 618, and then lived to 538, 6, of course, 18 BC. Chapter 5 actually is recording the downfall and the fall of Babylon in 538. So if we would follow his age, and I think it's significant to this particular story because we often think about Daniel and the lion's den and we think about him as being a young man. But he, according to the commentators, were between 80 and 84. So this was not a young man they lowered down into the lion's den. This wasn't a young man with all kinds of young zeal. He had stable zeal. He had been through all kinds of difficulties up to this point. If we were to look at Daniel and find out that there was a time not to kneel... And that time was when the three young men were told to bow to, of course, the image. And they decided not to. And if they wouldn't bow, then they would burn. And, of course, we saw that God delivered them. And they were able to live through that without any even sense or the ability of any kind of smoke upon them. Uh, God delivered them. 
and some of the workers that were there doing the work passed away, such as it was where those that were against Daniel got their doom too. And you can see the book of Esther on how God has not only delivered his people, but also he's taking care of those that were trying to oppress them and trying to hurt them. And so I, I think us focusing on Daniel helps us to understand a little bit more of what is going on here in the passage. He was one of the major prophets. We have Daniel, we have Jeremiah, we have Ezekiel, and we have Isaiah. It's interesting as we have minor prophets all the way from Hosea to Malachi. These are minor and major prophets. Someone said that the major prophets are unveiling the king. The minor prophets are unveiling his kingdom. What an incredible thought that they were strategically put in place. Understanding the word of God helps us to be able to continue on through difficult times. Knowing the geniusness of the word of God. Knowing that it is, pri- it is priority in our lives and it ought to be. It's interesting as we think about the purpose of the book. It deals with Many things, but I really believe the second portion of it deals with the time of the Gentiles, deals with our situation. If you wanted to divide the book, you would actually go from chapter 1 to chapter 6 of being history. And chapter 7 all the way to chapter number 12 is prophecy. And so then looking at the passage a little differently, if we're looking at chapter 6, we are ending, if you would, the historical part of Daniel. It's interesting we think about who he was under just for a moment because the Bible says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom. It's interesting that we look at that particular individual, there's not much talked about him. Some say that the word Darius basically is a word that means the holder of the scepter, that he was in charge. Um, some think that he was the son of the previous leader. And I would say that God is in charge and he has placed people over us. He is the God of heaven. Donald Trump is in office because God allowed that so you can breathe a little better. I was thinking about Uncle Sam versus Uncle Joe. No, I better not get political. I better not go that direction. But I wanted to give you maybe more of a division of, the, of this particular chapter, chapter 1, and if you like to divide the book and then study it later, I want to just give to you just a small outline because chapter 1, uh, or, or verse number 1, all the way to verse number 3 of chapter 6 helps us understand this is Daniel's position in verses 1 through 3. That's what we're dealing with, his ordained position. It was not voted upon, it was appointed on by God. Uh, giving us an understanding of Daniel. Then we see there's an enemy of Daniel, the enemy's plot, in verse number 4 to verse number 9. And so they became jealous. It was a political thing that they became jealous of Daniel and his ability to be able to make good decisions because he was the top dog, if you would. He was over everything, and justly so, because of his history. And if you were to read about him, you would say that Daniel needs a position of power be placed where he was. And so we see the enemies in verses 4 through 9 begin to come up with some way of hurting him. 
And then in verses 10 through 15, which I want to focus on this morning, and mostly in verse number 10, we see Daniel's obedient disobedience. Is that such a thing? Is there such a thing as, as a disobedient or obedience or an obedient to disobedience? And so I think it's important for us to just think about that just for a moment, to Daniel's obedient disobedience. And then there was Daniel's punishment and deliverance in 16 through 24. I think it's important for us to understand the end of the story is, come, turns out good. Don't you like this, the ends of the stories when they turn out good? I, I watch movies uh, a little bit more now that COVID-19 is in place. Um, and I always like a story that has a good ending. If I find the ending going in the wrong way, I just shut it off and I turn on Fox News or something, you know. <laughs> Because they're kind of still stuck in the plot. But it's interesting as we think about these things because it helps us understand that there has been, in time past, people who had to deal with things, very difficult things. Whether they're going to obey God or whether they're going to obey man. And really that is a decision that we need to make. And I, and I, I want to just say this as far as a preface. Is that, is that make sure that your battles are are worth fighting. If you're going to pick a battle, make sure it's worth eternity. And I, and I think for the average believer that has eternity in their heart, that they will, with a discernment from heaven, will be able to choose the battle and choose the right one and continue to do what God wants them to do. I find the simplest believer has the most powerful faith making better decisions than someone who is so talented and can do so many things and think that they are bigger than life, making foolish decisions. It is the common man that God seems to bless. And so I want to make just a few observations, two of them, in this particular passage before I get into the message. And maybe the message will be shorter than the introduction. I don't know. But as I'm thinking about this, Daniel's faithlessness, I should say Daniel's faithfulness, to God, prohibit him to yield to obedience to the law of man. His faithfulness, and by the way, his faithfulness to God, forbidden him to listen to the rule or the guideline or the decree. And it's amazing to me that those that didn't really get involved with church too much now want church to open up. I don't mean to be critical or mean, but it's important for us to get serious about, really, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? Because this may be just a little bit of the door opening to more restrictions and more cares of them upon us. And let me just say this. I might as well, I'm already on thin ice. I'm kind of tired of people that act like they're compassionate when they say, I'm wearing a mask because I love you. Let's take the real mask off. Because every person that's hearing my voice that's in a position of authority that has the rule over men, do you really care for me? If you really cared for me, you would tell me that I'm either going to go to heaven or hell. But you never said a word about that. So why should there be fear among the believer? I think that fearlessness 
wow, like Jesus, when they said, you realize that Pilate's going to kill you? And he said something like this, go ye and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons today, and I'll help people tomorrow, and I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. Fearlessness, like Nehemiah. When Nehemiah said, should a man like me flee? Where is that kind of power and strength? The Bible says, fear not them that can kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the the soul and the body in hell. I think this particular book is filled with fascinating stories. It's filled with so many, and I think it's interesting when we think about three men who didn't bow and one man who did bow, they were focused on one thing, and that was pleasing the God of heaven and not man. So where is this message going? Daniel's faithfulness to God prohibited him to yield obedience to a royal decree. The second observation is Daniel's faithfulness in God led him to his prayer closet, just as usual. So I think giving you the outline and giving you some observations is very important because it kind of sets us in place so that we can hear really from the text what is happening. And I I just want to let you know that when difficult times came to Daniel, that he just did what he was normally doing, and that was seeking the Lord three times a day. Think about that just for a moment with me. Three times a day? Interesting when we think about it, because he prayed. He, he, He did not go and try to get a plot of how he was going to get around this guideline. He went and prayed. He took it to the Lord. Whenever we're facing any difficult thing, the first thing we ought to do is to go home. That's what he did. And I think if we were to focus on one verse and you were to take one verse with you, it's verse number 10. And look what it says again. And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house. They didn't go and get a bunch of guys to be able to find out how they can get around it. You know, let's have a little meeting on strategically planning so that we can still pray. So we can still seek our God. Can we, we can still worship our God the way that we need to worship our God. I think many times about Daniel and the peer pressure that was upon him. And you young people think you have peer pressure. Can you imagine... If you went and prayed three times a day into a closet in your home, and then finally someone said you can't do that anymore? And what if your peers came to you and said, oh, that's okay, you can just add up all your prayers and go once a day. That's a little bit better anyway, isn't it? Isn't it better just to go once in a while and kind of go without no one knowing about it and so on? I don't think that Daniel had any care about who saw him go into his house to pray. Otherwise, he wouldn't have opened the window. This is what he normally did. And I think when, we, when we're in a crisis and we're in a difficulty, we must pray. I think about how that he did not devise a counterplot. He did not indulge in bitter weepings on his bed and fall to his knees and just weep and weep and weep to God in heaven. I wasn't there. I didn't see what he did, but I, I see nothing of his bitterness at all. 
I believe he worshipped God as all as he always did. In fact, you'll see in just a moment, you'll know how he prayed. But I think it's important for us to understand that when we get into a difficult place, we ought to go and pray and not get bitter about it. Some of you are right now are struggling with all of these restrictions. Either we can be six feet apart or put a mask on, one or the other, don't you think? Think about this. Who's making these guidelines? I don't think they're ordained by God. I think it's important for us to worship God. That's why I'm trying the best I can to handle things the best way here at Grace. And we don't want to stop anything. We want to continue to do what we need to do. I think this tent going up outside speaks volumes to our community, don't you? That you can stop all kinds of things and you can go ahead and stop maybe a beer party, but you're not going to stop us from worshiping our God. Especially when it comes to the family. Because I really believe unless we get a grip on our families, we've we've lost America. And we've been saying this for years, but let me just give you something that would be rather redundant. But I think it's important to have three things in the home, I should say in the house, that makes it a home. And the first thing is relationships. That's absolutely essential in in, in the house. You must have proper relationships. Children, you must have good relationships with your parents. And you parents must have a good relationship with your children. And husbands, you must have good relationships with your wives. And wives, you must have a good relationship with your husband. This is an essential thing. Relationships, relationships, relationships is what makes a house a home. I think the second thing that's involved with that also is respect. And we're going to talk about these things during family camp. But do you have respect in the home? Boy, we have lost the respect in America, haven't we? Look at how far we have come. I was talking to someone recently, and I'm sorry if I forgot who it was with, but they were talking about watching a film and how that the boy wanted to ask a question in school and how he stood up to ask the question, out of respect. <laughs> we don't have that in the classroom anymore. You know why? It's because the homes don't have respect for each other. Now, there may be some, there may be a few, of course, that, have the, that are in the public school system that still show respect in the home and the dad still puts his foot down when he needs to and so does mom. But overall, America... It's kind of lost its relationships with people, but also lost its respect for one another. And the last thing in the home is needed is responsibilities. You know what? When I grew up, we had responsibilities. And if I didn't make my bed, and if I didn't turn the light off, you know what happened to me? I had to write a hundred times, I will shut the light off. I will make my bed. That was the consequence. How many ever had to write? Raise, raise your hand if you had to write. You know what? I sat at my kitchen table. I'll never forget, I was 11 years old. And I said, I will shut my light off. I will shut my light off. I would write, I, 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 I. I'd write 25 of them at a time. I, I, I will, 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 will. And my aunt says, let me help you, Dean. So she started helping me. She wrote the word not. So I kept writing, I will not, I will not turn the light off. I will not turn the light off. So, so that aunt is going to suffer the consequences. Someday she'll be in a nursing home and I'll visit her and make her write, I love my nephew, Dean, a hundred times. But he prayed. He did not devise a counterplot. He did not indulge in bitter exertions. 
He did not fall on his bed and pout. How many have ever pouted? Raise your hand. Look at you. Look at you. It would have been easy for him to say, I can't worship my God now. And just go home and sit on the bed and just look at his shoes or sandals or whatever. I mean, sometimes we do that. You say, well, I, you know what? The best thing you can do when you can't do something is do, be busy doing something you can do. <laughs> it's important for us to understand that because sometimes life puts roadblocks in front of us to say, well, well, I can't do that. Well, then go to your room and pout about it, right? <laughs> Daniel didn't do that. He didn't go pout. He prayed. And the God of heaven heard his prayer. And the relationship was there. And he had respect for our God. He prayed an incredible prayer. I think about how he prayed. It was really the prayer that kind of caught my attention. His prayer was, first of all, consistent. It was something he normally did. It was habitual. This was part of his life. It wasn't just part of this note between him and God, but other people saw this. In fact, if you look at the text, look at verse number 16 with me, if you would, chapter number 6, verse number 16. And then the king commanded that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest, what? He will deliver thee. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for consistent Christians that will continue to worship him and serve him and follow him and do what he desires. Look at verse number 20. Of course, the relief came to the king. But it says in verse number 20, uh, verse number 20 says, And when he came to, to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. This is the king. He was so relieved. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, Servant of the King, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Yes. But he uses this verbiage, you're serving him continually. That's part of Daniel's life. It was, it was a sediment of who he was, 80 some years old, and he was known for going to God continually and praying to the God of heaven. Oh, our prayers are so weak today. God bless us today as we go and do what we want to do. Rather than pouring our heart out to God and say, God, during these difficult days, would you please give us some relief? I think sometimes when we pray, we're just looking for God to fill our grocery list. You know, my wife sends me that. She's able to text it to me now so that I don't have any excuses. I lost the list or whatever, you know. Sometimes it'll just be right then and just to get exactly. Sometimes we think God is that way. We write out all of our grocery lists and say, this is what I need. You know what God wants you to do? Spend time with him. Have that relationship with him. Have that respect for him. So we think about prayer and how it was consistent. I think also his prayer was reverent. His prayer was reverent because he opened the chamber doors and he positioned himself on his knees, not just one knee. He just didn't take a knee to God. It was wholehearted, showing both knees before the God of heaven to worship him, opened the door. Why? To Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is where the temple was, and temple was a type of Jesus Christ. And so he opened up those doors, and he knelt down. For us in the New Testament, it would be good for us to picture him on his throne and to kneel down fully to the God of heaven and say, God, I lack and I need. Would you please help and deliver me? This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. 
and delivered him out of all of his troubles. And what are you facing today? They're very minimal compared to what he was facing. Because if he didn't obey, he was going to actually be thrown into the lion's den. Don't you think that he's seen what happened to other people that got thrown into the lion's den? Somehow I think it gave him a desire to go to the knees and to worship the God of heaven because I believe because of his age, he knew that he would actually be in glory quickly. But he positioned himself toward Jerusalem and knelt with both knees. But his prayer was trusting because he believed in his God. He believed that God could deliver him. Did he really think that God was going to deliver him from the lions? Somehow, he knew that God was going to deliver him. And so there was this earnest trust, if you would, in him. And the God that had delivered him and delivered his friends in the past would deliver him again. Daniel. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine the emotions he was going through. I think one of the commentators said he was actually 83 years old. It, It lines up with the timeline. Now, my dad is 83, and my dad may be listening today, I don't know. But my dad is pretty frail. He is a good, hard worker, you know, in years. I remember when my dad had arms that were strong, and he'd hang drywall all day, and he had energy. You know, if I go see my dad today, he's got a little cart that he puts his trash in, and he just kind of leans on the cart and takes his trash out. 83 years old. Now, just think about an 83-year-old person for a moment. You know, saying, well, all you got to do really is just not pray anymore and you'll be fine. You know, some of you older people feel like you're, you, you, you're, you're not contributing to the Lord's work. You can't do much. You, you feel like you, you, you don't have the energy and so on. Let me tell you something. Prayer is so powerful. Yes. And prayer is the most essential. Yes. And so when you think you're not doing the great work, you're doing the great work for God. When you get on your knees before God and you pray. And by the way, you can see it in their children when you have a praying mom or a praying dad in their 80s. Look at their kids serving the Lord and following God's ways and doing what... By the way, it's not all of the rules through the years. It's mostly been the relationship that you've had with God that made the impact to your children the most. And so when we look at Daniel, we see that his prayers were reverent He opened the chamber windows. He positioned himself toward Jerusalem. He got on his knees and his prayer was believing. It was trusting. I want you to look at something else in the text again. Verse number 10, it says, And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did a fourth time. If you underline in your Bible, I, I think it's interesting that the Bible uses the word he gave thanks. So it wasn't like all kinds of dirge. It was, thank you, Lord. You ever, see, you ever hear the song, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so He delivered you, dear friend. He rescued you. He saved you. And by the way, when he did that, he did it forever. 
forever. There's no need to be discouraged today. The God who saved you is the same God that will sustain you. And He will deliver you. One way or another, you will be delivered because He loves you. You think about Daniel just a little bit this morning. Because what happens is they take him then because he disobeyed and they threw him in the lion's den. And it says that the king actually sealed the tomb. It was like he was going to be gone and that was it. Well, let me just tell you something else. (laughs) A few years later, somebody else was put in a tomb. And that too was sealed. His name was Jesus Christ. And they thought that they got rid of him once and for all. And let me just tell you something. You cannot stop Christianity. You never will. It will always find a way to worship the King of Kings. Whether it's underground in China, underground in Saudi Arabia, whether it's underground in this country someday, we will always worship the King of Kings. And we will worship him our way. And we will decide to do it within our hearts that even death cannot stop us. Because we will give him glory when we're in heaven, when we see him face to face. And sometimes we become wimpy in all of this that's going on, and we begin to pout. We begin to get bitter. And I'm saying, put all that away and pray. And enter into the presence of an almighty God who will hear your prayer, and he will deliver you through the difficult times. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know, I've been going through such hard times that I can't continue on. Let me tell you something, you can And you can put one foot in front of the other. And you can accomplish it. Because somehow, in some way, His Spirit in you gives you the ability to take just one more step. Just one more step. Just one more step. I can remember in closing, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps and we had a 20-mile hike. I'll never forget as long as I live. 20 miles long with a backpack. And the backpack weighed 80 pounds. Now, you put an 80-pound person in your back, and you truck for 20 miles. I'm telling you what, I was so skinny. Remember, my arms looked like spaghetti with mosquito bites. That's what my arms looked like at that time. I was thin, and I was actually marching for 20 miles. And about halfway through, I was thinking, my chest is going to crack. There's no way that I can do it. And you know what I started thinking? The guy in front of me, his, his... Soul began to fall off and his flap on his thing. I, you know, it began to flap. Like whenever he walked, it went flap, flap, flap. You know, and I was thinking, his soul's messed up, but my soul needs your strength right now, Lord. That's what I was thinking. I need, I need your, I need some soul power. I need to continue on. And it just seemed like God gave me that power to take the next step and then to be strong enough to get to the end of it. And then when I got to the 20 miles, I was able to lower my, my shoulder and take off the backpack and woo! Boy, was that a good feeling. Let me tell you something. Spiritually, the God of heaven can do that for you. And all of your difficulties and all the things that you're going through right now are nothing compared to what Daniel went through. At 83 years old, he was praying. I bet you he went over and tried to pet those lions. I I bet you he was looking up saying, are you going to let me out of here pretty soon? What's going to happen? Is God going to deliver me? He sure did deliver him. He sent an angel to hold the lions shut, their mouths shut. God was right there with him the whole time. And he's with you no matter what you go through. What a difficult understanding of our government these days. And I, I look at all of the things that are going on and I'm thinking, I better choose my battles. You know what my battle is? Keep this church going. Keep the tent up. Keep the soul winning going. And by the way, that's why I'm having a class tonight. And you can go ahead and stay in your homes tonight, but God is going to bring some soul winners here. 
to help us lead other people to Jesus Christ. And if we cannot grasp an understanding of that necessity, then we need revival in our hearts. Because unless we know how to take someone and show them how to be saved, then God might just take us home. Honestly. Because what we're here for is to tell other people how they can be saved. Not religious. We've got enough religion in the world. What we need is Jesus. We need a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I hope that you understand this this morning. That even the book of Daniel, the story of Daniel, has an understanding of Jesus Christ. And by the way, when Jesus Christ came out of the tomb, many, many years later, he was delivered for your resurrection also. And because he came out of the grave, you will too. Be confident in these things, and God will give you the peace you need. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I do know Jesus is my Savior. I am saved. But my response to this whole thing has been very grieving to me. I've become bitter. I've been pouting. But I haven't been praying. And maybe this morning you'd say, Lord, even though I know you, I need to pray more and give these issues to you. Maybe the lack of prayer has caused you to be misguided with your affections. You deal with that with God. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, You know, Pastor, I don't even know Jesus Christ as my Savior yet. I don't even know him personally. I've I've never put my faith in him. I put my trust and my faith in a system. I've been putting my faith and my trust in an institution and not Jesus. And I want to shift it now and give it to Jesus Christ. I want to focus my attention on the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, my Savior and my Lord. Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I'm not sure, not even sure if I died today that I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know. I won't point you out. I don't even go talk to you. But maybe you just let me know so I can pray for you. I need Jesus in my life. I need him in my heart. Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? You understood this message was for you? then, dear Christian, I think we can do a little better in our response to this crisis that we're going through. And we need to pray. And I really believe that when we first started praying about this, that God did hear from heaven. And we were going in the other direction as far as the illnesses in this country. I think we need to seek the Lord again. I'd like to give an invitation this morning, if you'd just stand where you are, Right there, right there at your pew. Just stand where you are. Have your, every eye, every, every head bowed, if you would, every eye closed. Why don't you come this morning if you need to? Maybe it's for baptism. It's the next step as far as the Lord's work. Maybe it's for church membership. Whatever it is, you come. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide now in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.
stanza if you need to come. I had my, uh, my little tablet up here, I could actually play a song, Daniel was the man of prayer. How many have ever heard that song? Can you sing it or not? Can anybody? Daniel was... Um... No, we better not. I'm, I'm not a good leader in the singing. I can lead you in the scriptures, but not in the singing. But it says Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel prayed he... Yes, it's just a beautiful song. Google it. You'll enjoy it this afternoon at lunch. And, uh, and if not, I'm going to come to your house and sing it to you. So, but anyway, it's just been a blessing to be here. Folks, let me tell you something. This has been very difficult. And by the way, this is not a law enforcement institution. This is a Bible preaching institution. Um, this is the beginning of, of things. Um, unless God intervenes and pushes things back, um, the, the, the government would like to restrict more and more. And uh, I have never uh, thought about how strange things have come until just recently. But man, we've come a long way, haven't we? But we've got to, we've got to still do what we can do. If we can't do this, let's do this. And let's continue to march forward as we're heading to Zion. And you know, the Lord Jesus Christ may not return for 50 years. It may, it may not be. I sat on the edge of my bed when I was a little boy. You know, 50 years ago, my dad said he could come 50 years. I was afraid he's going to come that night, you know. And uh, that's been 50 years ago. And you know how quick 50 years went? Just like that. Yes. You know, and it's because, you know, it's nothing to the Lord. But if he does tarry for 50 years, let's make sure we think about those coming behind us to, to stay at it, stay strong, and do what we can do and stop focusing on what we can't do. Uh, we're going to be able to be a little bit better in our presence. And then people will enjoy being around us. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for a, a beautiful day here in Madison, Wisconsin. We thank you for these dear people. I think we're limited here uh, completely this morning uh, at our limit according to the restrictions. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to, to have strength enough to worship you. Str- strength like Daniel. And we, we know that the consequences to this are very small. But it's just a beginning, Father. In our minds and our hearts, we want to... We want to worship you, Lord, five years from now, ten years from now. We want to still be able to do what we're doing. Help us not to be people of change. Help us not to become like the world. Help us to be different 
and continue to make a difference here at Grace. Push away any demon that's trying to hurt us, Father. Help us to be strong and, and be of a sound mind here as we continue to practically teach the Word of God. Give us grace this afternoon as we deal with our families and and to be able to love them and care for them and then be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Lord, we ask that you would guide us and direct us and continue to use this place to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.